This episode of the Mountaineer Media Podcast is sponsored by Mr. B, the only potato chip made in the great state of West Virginia. Check out their products in your local grocery store or online at mrb.com. Alright everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Mountaineer Media Podcast. CJ Harvey here, Cooper Zimmerman with me as always. It's funny because I say that exact same thing when we start the actual interview it's with true, our yeah. guest today. So uh, you'll hear that again, <laughs> but but it will be for the guest. Uh, anyway, Chris Steyerwalt, our guest today, he, uh, Cooper, I thought he was awesome. Uh, he is, he's been on national television. Um, he has a, a couple of things that he's doing right now. We'll let him introduce himself, but he is a man of the media. And we get into a lot about that. We talk about the national media, local media, state media, and uh, this guy grew up in Wheeling, and just the the guy is honestly impressive. He's very smart. He knows his history, his West Virginia history, his United States history. He can uh, pull quotes from former presidents and world leaders just like left and right like it's nothing i mean the guy is very smart and this was a an energetic up-tempo episode where everybody's going to learn something i guarantee if you listen to this full episode you're going to learn something because the guy is just really smart cooper what were some of your initial thoughts yeah i mean clearly from that that class of like the way he the intellectual view of of people, of relationships, of psychology, of history, of like all kinds of things. So yeah, it was an interesting perspective. And I think, yeah, a lot of people are going to enjoy it. A lot of the little West Virginia tidbits, I don't think we would dive into, but yeah, like the state, like the Capitol and the fires in Wheeling. And he had like an opinion that like, I guess, what'd you <laughs> yeah. say? Like that we stole the Capitol. He kind of like, he took the flag of Wheeling. So it was kind of a, he's yeah. a passionate dude, neat yeah. guy. Um, but he does a, have a, a lot book of that out. was tongue in cheek. A lot of that was tongue sure. in cheek, I think, but yeah, go ahead. He has a book out now. Does have a book out, Broken News, How the Media Rage Machine Divides America and How to Fight Back. That's his book. It's out right now. Yeah, go buy it. Um, it's a 2022 release, so it's mm-hmm. fresh, hot off the press. It's a, it's a good story, and kind of he gets into his background, and so we talk a little bit about his book and his beliefs. But, um, yeah, that was, a, that was fun. That was a mm-hmm. really fun episode. Uh, plenty of things to get to. Before we get to that, though, this is going to be our... Uh, final real guest, quote unquote, real Mountaineer Media Podcast guest of the month of September, because next week we are going to be live at Fife Street Brewing in downtown Charleston uh, for on Wednesday, September 28th for the uh, it's the Mountaineer Media sponsored happy hour. Coop, we're all going to be there together. We're going to have a photographer like hanging around. Shout out to Jake Ruddle. He's going to be snapping photos. We're all going to be having fun. And yeah, definitely everybody should try and make it down there for uh, our, our sponsored happy hour at Five Street Brewing next Wednesday. Yeah, come by the 28th, 5 p.m. We're saying the first 50 people will buy your drink, but here's the deal. We want you to come with your family and friends. Now, we're not going to have an open bar tap for everybody all night long, but it's not like it's a 50 max person and that's it. We want to 
we want to blow out this place. We want to have a big party. We want to show love to Pipe Street Brewing. So bring your fiance, bring your spouse, bring your exactly. you know kids. I guess can't come to the bar, but actually I don't know. Is it a, it's a technically they, they a restaurant? They allow kids in the bar, so that yeah, it, it's not like a, you have to show your ID at the okay. door. They do ask for your ID if you're buying a beer, but yeah, right. uh, to get the 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 beer ticket, yeah, you got to be 21, 21 yeah. and older. But you can definitely bring your kids because they do have a pretty slamming uh, menu. It yeah. is a restaurant. It's pretty. It's, it's good. Not free beer, big big no no. So it's not free beer. We're buying your first drink if you RSVP. So RSVP exactly. Mountaineer will buy it. It's a big no no by the ABC. So, but then you can also purchase beer, support the local business, and it should be great. And yeah. we're going to be live, yeah, before the uh, little like from in between like four and five ish. We're going to be live, and then come hang out. Um, we're not vain enough to say that like you know, or we don't want to be like take a picture with us. But hey, we we want to meet you. <laughs> I know a lot of faces and names that we've yeah. seen on the internet exactly. for like three years now and this but is gonna be like the us. first time that like yeah. we've ever like sh- i've actually never met um god why my blanket like jim strong in person i've never met joe justice our blogger i've never met him in person guys so like and it's kind of weird because we've been doing this for two and a half three years and we come to know him but for us this is like the blend of digital and we're, we want to increasingly do these live events because that, that's that's real relationships that's real friendships that's real community building is getting out and being with each other so it's neat for us but also could be neat for uh for you guys to meet each other and kind of see all these you know, profile pictures, see them in real life. Um, yeah, absolutely. So that's September 28th, Wednesday, September 28th at Five Street Brewing. You can still RSVP at mountaineermedia.org. First drink on us. Come visit us. Come hang out from 5 to 7. Should be a blast. All right, a couple of other things to quickly get to. A couple of new blogs over on mountaineermedia.org. So if you're RSVPing, go, go and just click the, the blog tab. No, no harm in that. No harm, no foul. You know, just go see what else is out there right now. And Jessica Riggins has a great piece on the Bridge Day Guide. It's titled A Visitor's Guide to Bridge Day, the largest single-day festival in West Virginia. So definitely go check that one out. That's certainly uh, catching a lot of attention on some of the social media platforms. And then I've got a couple of pieces on there too. Business Boom on the Horizon in West Virginia, talking about some of uh, the big manufacturing companies and big businesses that are making their way and settling in West Virginia. And kind of just in 2022, a couple of billion dollars have been promised um, mm-hmm. in West Virginia. So definitely go check that out if you're not too aware of kind of what's going on in the manufacturing or in the business world of things. And then the other one I've got right now, uh-oh, people are discovering our diamond in the rough. Tourism is booming in West Virginia. And so it's just a, you know, a good nod to the people that are doing hard work in West Virginia and helping increase the tourism industry. So RSVP, Check out the blogs. Go buy a shirt or hat too, you know, since you're there. Why not? Just support everybody here. Um, one more one more big piece of news, CJ, is that we've announced it. So it's official. October 16th is yes. when you can buy a ticket to the Almost Heaven Classic. It's going to be a link on the website that you'll it'll actually redirect you to Eventbrite page to keep it nice, clean, and organized. But when you go on there, you're going to be able to buy a ticket for Friday. If you want to be a solo ticket, you just want to come to Friday, live podcast. We haven't announced our panelists yet. They're going to be really uh, big name guests. And it's going to be exciting. West Virginia craft beer, food, 
If all you want to do is come to that, fine. Buy a ticket. It's going to be $40. You check out. That's your ticket. For but Friday it, night. For yeah. Friday night. If you want to be on the golf side of it, if you want to golf on Saturday right there, June 10th in Canaan, you purchase a ticket. It's going to be $500 per team. That's $125 per golfer, but it's one single checkout. So you go on there on October 16th, you check out, you buy the team package. If Who's ever checking out for your team, you're going to put like a captain name, a team name that helps us keep organized. You don't have to give us your entire team names of all the other players quite yet. We'll ask for that later. Um, but go ahead and do that on October 16th. If you want to lock it in for next year, we do have, I think about 25 teams that are going to be available to purchase. So, you know, lock it in now, plan your trip around it. It's going to be a fun summertime activity next year. Um, but go ahead and do that on October 16th for the almost heaven classic that's presented by star USA federal credit union. Yeah, so we, we know when you're listening to podcasts, you probably don't have your calendar out right now. So when you do find your way over to mountaineermedia.org to do all of the other things that we just uh, uh, we are persuading you to go do, there is uh, we're telling a tab. you to go do it right yeah, now. We're, we're telling you to go do it. There's also right a tab now. for the Almost Heaven Classic for pre-registration. So basically, go sign up, and then we're going to email you and notify you when registration officially starts because there's a chance that maybe you forget by the end of this episode. So go do that. Fife Street next week, Almost Heaven Classic pre-registration open. October 16th, the full registration officially opens. Got some blogs out. Go check out the merch as well. And uh, if you just want to say hi, maybe jump over to contact us form and just drop us a little uh, a little note and say thanks for all the hard work because pats on the back are always nice. All right, Cooper, let's get to it. Chris Steyerwalt, take it away. does not always shine in West Virginia, but the people always do. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Mountaineer Media Podcast. CJ Harvey here, Cooper Simmerman with me. As always, we've got a great guest today, Chris Steyerwald. Chris, good morning. How are you? Hope everything's well. well. It's my pleasure to be with you guys today. Yeah, absolutely. Chris, go ahead. Let's start with uh, you introducing yourself. Wheeling native, but tell us what you do now and, uh, you know, kind of catch us up to speed. So it's um, often misreported uh, that I'm a West Virginia native. I was actually born in the great state of Michigan. There you Um, go. But when I was two, we moved to Wheeling, West Virginia, and that's where I grew up. Uh, I identify as West Virginia uh, is my identity. Um, I went uh, to Wheeling Country Day School and Lindsley School. Yep. Uh, I grew up in, uh, as I like to tell people, I went to the best prep school in West Virginia, bar none. No, no, there's no, mm-hmm. no question about that. Yeah. Uh, um, and uh, I am now the, I'm now a senior fellow at the American Enterprise Institute. I am a contributing editor at the Dispatch, and I am the politics editor for News Nation. And, I mean, and if anybody's worried. Uh, I am the <laughs> author of a new best-selling book called Broken News. It has a subtitle after a colon that is complicated and nuanced, but I don't remember it. No, Broken no. News, How the Media Rage Machine Divides America and How to Fight Back by Chris Stallworth. Yeah, we we will definitely be getting into some just about the book, and you can tell us a little bit about the book and what inspired you to write this. But uh, let's kind of pick up. You were recently in Morgantown correct? Doing a book signing. 
and you uh, met with uh, just a recent guest of ours, Hoppy Kerchival. How was your trip back to the great state of West Virginia? Well, let me ask you guys something. What kind of West Virginians are you? Uh, Charlestonian. Uh, oh, I'm yeah. from Charleston as well. Yeah, but pretty much uh, Kanawha Valley here. We're, uh, we're pretty much Kanawha Valley guys here. Uh, it, so there's there's three kinds of West Virginians. Okay. There's real West Virginians. Okay. There's south of fifty. Okay. And then there's south of sixty. Yeah. <laughs> Those are the three categories of West Virginians. Are they less West Virginian each time the lower that you go? I'm not saying anybody's more or less West Virginian, but the real West Virginia, obviously, the real capital of West Virginia is Wheeling. <laughs> they burned that down, Chris. Come on. No, oh no, oh don't. No, 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 no. George Washington. We are not. We're not engaging in that conversation. Twice, twice in Charleston, they burned the Capitol, and one time, they had the ammunition for the state police in the attic of the Capitol when you people burned the Capitol and. <laughs> All of the ammunition went off, and they were like, "Golly, gee, I, we, we ought to not have kept that up there. That was probably in the attic." <laughs> one time, though, one time it is true that West Virginia's capital was on a riverboat. This is one of my of all of my favorite West Virginia facts. So, when you people stole the capital from Wheeling <laughs> and and took it down to Charleston, once, sure. do, do you guys know about the Compromise of eighteen seventy two? Please enlighten us. <clears throat> so unreconstructed Confederates wanted the vote. And the government in Wheeling was triggered by wanting <laughs> to be democratic. They wanted to be democratic. They wanted to include people. And the way that the unreconstructed Confederates got the vote <clears throat> was that they traded it for uh, a constitutional amendment declaring universal suffrage for black people. So the dummies in the North <clears throat> capitulated to the demands of the unreconstructed Confederates, switched it out and moved the capital to Charleston. Now, eventually the capital would have gone to Charleston no matter what, because the political center of gravity in West Virginia in those days was in the South. That mm. was where that was where the timber industry had been, that was where the coal industry came in, that was the chem the salt mines and the chemical industry. The yep. Canal Valley was going to be the answer for 75 or 80 years. Yeah. I just wish that my people in Wheeling had drove a harder bargain. <laughs> Chris, I'm so glad that you were there really helping fight with them and you know <laughs> making I'm sure old. you gave I'm your old. opinion. <laughs> you guys are young. I'm old, but... Uh, that's 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 still me. That's still me. I've, I been, gotcha. I've been down to the customs house, but I, I I did not wear period costume. Gotcha. So, so have you over the years, have you do you feel like as you've gotten older, have you, has your interest in West Virginia's history? I mean, grew like I mean, you clearly, you know, quite a bit about the, the deep nuance of like the capital and that sort of history. But like as someone who's maybe outside the state more often than that they're inside the state, do you feel like as you get older, you're drawn back to maybe understanding that part of you or what that means to America and that sort of thing? Um, this will sound, uh, I assume this is a family friendly podcast, so I won't cuss, uh, but this sounds, uh, this sounds bad. Uh, but I think people from Wheeling grow up talking about, it, right. We grow up thinking about it and talking about it. Independence hall is right downtown. It's a big, important being, <clears throat> I think if you're from Bluefield, being a West Virginian, 
is mentioned frequently, but mm-hmm. it's not culturally significant. And not, it's not insignificant, but if you live in Bluefield, Virginia or Bluefield, West Virginia, you eat at the same Dairy Queen. Like you're, it's yeah. not a, it, it's right. not a huge change. Yep. If you live in Wheeling, what are you surrounded by? Ohio and yeah. Pennsylvania, right? Yep. Uh, my, my joke is, uh, like a lot of West Virginians, my father never had a job in the state. Uh, my dad worked in Pittsburgh. And, okay, fair and, enough. And Pittsburgh uh, is, depending on who's driving, 45 or 50 mile, fifty minutes away from Wheeling. Right. Uh, and I think in Wheeling, it's a different West Virginia-ness. It's an mm-hmm. identity. And that's why I say the real West Virginian, I know I'm being a jerk when I say that. But there's the Northern Panhandle, which is a weird, different thing unto itself. Yeah, yeah. And then there's South of 50, which basically takes in the Eastern Panhandle and North Central West Virginia. Uh, and then the part of West Virginia where no one is, no one lives. Uh, no, I, I, I joke, <laughs> I kid, I kid. Um, but the, part, the, the, the belly of the state where there is low population density, and then you hit Route 60, and then there's South of 60. And I really think... You know, one of the things that I talk about in the book is how national antipathies are bad for the country. So if um, if you live in Oregon and you're upset about how Ron DeSantis runs the state of Florida, or if you live in Florida and you're concerned about, uh, or I'm sorry, Washington. So if you live in Washington state and you're upset about how Ron DeSantis runs the state of Florida, or if you live in Florida and you're upset about the autonomous zones of uh, Seattle, you're doing it wrong, right? Those are the wrong antipathies. We don't, we don't need to make up strangers get our minds to be upset with. Interesting. The correct antipathies are within the state and the knowledge that Beckley, we have to take Beckley with us, right? That in whatever we do as West Virginia, so like Mark Blankenship, we got to take Mark Blankenship with us. We've got plenty of Beckleyites. We've got to take Teresa Hill, or I'm sorry, Teresa Clay. We've got all kinds of Beckleyites that we've got to take with us. And that is our burden. That's our burden. That's, that's, a, that's a good perspective because it's true. It's like, it's like you know. You, no, like, it's not actually true. I'm just being mean to Beckley. I'm sorry. No, no, no. <laughs> not not that part. You're firing it everywhere <laughs> other than Wheeling this morning. You are firing at everybody else. That's, right. that's, <laughs> right. that's how we do it. But you, but you're right. Like I mean, the the, the analysis of like I hear more about Ron DeSantis. I have nothing to do with Florida. I don't live in Florida. I don't yeah, know the absolutely. issues. But like, but the media and then like the governor of Texas, all the issues there. Like I don't. That doesn't impact. Like, but if you get sucked into that, you feel like you get. You have to make a decision. Like, are you on this side? Are you on that side? And you know, did he do the right thing or the wrong thing? Is that just sensationalism? Is that just because it's a fun story and you can build up characters and foes and villains? Is that what it is? We're just intrigued by a few key players. And it's just like Game of Thrones for people to just to watch. Is, is it just fun for Americans to just like get behind that kind of stuff, like or be is sucked into it? Is it fun? Are we having fun yet? Because I, I, <laughs> I don't. Well, I guess it's I profitable. I don't feel like we're having that much fun. No, it's profitable. A hundred percent, you are right. A hundred percent, you are right. But I want you to think about the and. So everything that you say is true. That's the premise of my book. Uh, the anger and outrage that people have for strangers who live in different parts of the country, defeats the genius of the American system. 
genius of the American system is, I don't care. I don't care. The beautiful part of American governance is not only do I not care what people do in Oregon, God bless them, whatever they want to do in Oregon is great. It's fine. Not only that, but I only have to care every two years. We only have an election every two years. And in between the times of those elections, there is not much that I can do to shape the outcome. There really isn't. I could tweet 10 million times. I could give money. I could be upset. I could do whatever. But the one of the great virtues of a republic is that we get to take a break. As citizens, we're supposed to be informed. But after we cast our ballots, we're supposed to get a break. We're supposed to say... Okay. Uh, <laughs> we did our job. Yeah, there were two jerks running. I chose the jerk I disliked uh, the least. And see you guys in two years. And I'll check back and see if you did a good job. Because we're not supposed to live with it all the time. But I think the and to your question is this. There's just not that much national news. There's just not that much national news. Um, I work for West Virginia Media. There's not that much statewide news, right? There isn't that much news that affects all the corners of Weirton to Welch, as Hoppy would say. There's just not that much news that affects all 55 counties of West Virginia. And there's not that much news that touches equally on all the 50 states. We know th this phenomenon. We got two inches of snow in Wheeling, but they got a blizzard in New York. What's the news coverage for four days? Yeah. Oh, it was a blizzard in New York because obviously, Everybody in the national media lives and works in New York. Yeah. So they're telling this story. And we're like, yeah, we scraped it up. Pe uh, the people who live in, uh, in oh, what's my, oh, in hundred have already scraped off their walkway and they're good. Uh, but we, because we just don't have that much national news. And they probably got a blizzard and a half, <laughs> if we're being honest. <laughs> in hundred, they don't make a big deal out of things. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's right. So, so let me ask, and this is where I get confused about. You have spoken about almost like the the laziness of uh, American news consumption because of the twenty four hour news cycles and and whatnot. And you know, on the media side, you, you talk about fear mongering and and sensationalism. And it's almost like we're still explaining to people like how to consume news or how to best consume news. At this point, if you don't know how to watch or consume news, is oh, there any point in continuing to try? I mean, for the last two years, I feel like that's if there's been a headline, it's like watch as little news as possible. Only consume what you need to consume and, and be done with it. Don't continue to watch. And But now, gentlemen, you know, by now, now you got to come with me on this trip. Uh, Richard Thaler is the father of uh, behavioral economics at the University of Chicago. And he has a phrase that I think is perfect, which is, we don't think that people are stupid. We think that life is hard. Life is hard. Um, growing up means understanding that your parents were doing the best they could, right? When you're young, you're mad at your parents because they're not doing a good job. You know who's not doing a good job? Everybody's not doing a good job. Everybody is struggling to make it happen. And um, we have a lot of loose talk about patriotism in America today. There's a lot of loose talk about patriotism. Um, patriotism is a form of love. 
uh, and I commend to everyone C.S. Lewis's book, The Four Loves, uh, that deals with this question. Recommended highly. But patriotic love is a kind of love. It's not the same love that you have for your wife or your kids. It's not the same love that you have for your friend. It's not the same love. It's a different thing. But the word that we're looking for is filial, like the city of Philadelphia, like the city of brotherly love. Filial love is the attachment that we should correctly have to the people of our own country, right? And we have a lot of talk about nationalism these days and the American nation and having a border, and which is fine. But filial love, the brotherly and sisterly attachment that we have to each other is the important love. The flag that um, says join or die, you've seen the rattlesnake, it's called the Gazden flag on a yellow background. Do you know where that flag came from? Hmm. Benjamin Franklin drew that flag in support of the, they, they had a Congress in Albany, New York. Was uh, it Federalists? Is that? Nope, is that this is way, no, 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 no. This is during the French and Indian War. This is when George Washington was getting his flex on uh, in Western PA. And this is, by the way, when he surveyed Wheeling. Yeah. Not to say that Wheeling is the real West Virginia or anything. <laughs> this is when George Washington surveyed what is uh, now Wheeling. And Moundsville. And, we, and we, we've, dived, we've dived into this quite a bit, too. And left the land to yeah. his brother uh, and his unfortunately named wife, Dorcas. Naming was tough in those days, but the flag came from the Albany Congress. And the point of the flag was to say, if we do not unite in common defense, we will be ravaged and destroyed by the tribes that are in league with the French and the French. So we must stick together because Britain will not get here in time. No one, uh, as, as uh, Instagram would say, no one is coming. And Ben Franklin's message to the 13 colonies was join or die. If we don't take care of each other, if Virginia doesn't look after Massachusetts, if Pennsylvania does not look after uh, North Carolina, we're going to have trouble. And that was the Albany Plan of Union was the first part, the very beginning of the most important thing that has ever happened in political history. So tying that in today, like, are we... Does Wait, it what's feel the most like... important thing? What, what what do you mean it was the most important thing? Well, I don't know whether you're aware of this, but the United States of America is pretty cool. Uh, and in what is the American creed? What do we understand is the American creed? That we hold these truths to be self-evident, right? So we don't even... We shouldn't... Basically, we said... We, we shouldn't have to say it. We shouldn't have to tell you people that we hope we choose to be, they're, they're self-evident, uh, that all men are created equal and that they are endowed by their creator. And this is enormously important. They are not given by a government. They are not given by a king. These rights are naturally attached to us. Mm -hmm. So we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal and they're endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, unalienable meaning that they cannot be separated from you no matter what. You can be in prison, you can be in a slave ship, you can be anywhere in the world, but your rights are still your rights. They are being denied to you, but they are still naturally attached to you. That all men are created equal and endowed with certain unalienable rights. And among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. 
That is the American dream. That is what makes America different than anything that came before us. And that is what makes America different than anything else that's happening in the world. We built a whole constitution around the idea that we, ha we had better make true, we had better make good on that promise. It took us a long time to make good on that promise yeah. to slaves. And one of the reasons that I am proud to carry the flag of the 35th state, I'll get, a, <laughs> I'll get emotional, but one of the reasons that I am proud to carry the flag of West Virginia and be a West Virginia is that West Virginia stood up against slavery. West Virginia made that point and made it stick. The constitution was consecrated to preserve the rights expressed in the American creed. We are like uh, Thomas Jefferson, do uh, you know what his proposal for uh, the, the image, the emblem of the United States is, was? Uh, Turkey, right? No, that's Ben Franklin. Okay. Uh, and he was only kind of half joking. But, and I don't, I know this is a family podcast, but he uh, was hitting on a chick. So it was whatever. But <clears throat> Thomas Jefferson suggested that the correct emblem for the United States would be the children of Israel. That's mind blowing. I've never heard that before. Why? Because uh, uh, it. Uh, I'll quote Winston Churchill. I'll quote Winston Churchill to explain. You can always count on the United States of America to do the right thing after exhausting every other possible. <laughs> right. So Jefferson's point about the children of Israel was we wander away, we get lost, we turn our backs on God, we turn our backs on the things that make America, America. And then when it hurts too much, <laughs> when the pain becomes too great, we turn back. One of the most important speeches of our lifetimes was uh, Barack Obama's speech at the 2020 Democratic Virtual Convention that he delivered from the Constitution Center in Philadelphia. And what Barack Obama said was, you gotta get down to be down and you gotta be down to get down. You have to, everybody better get in the pool, right? This is our constitution. This is the, this is the mechanism that we built to do this. And I don't care how, I don't care how liberal, I don't care how conservative, I don't care whether you're a nationalist, I don't care whether you're a populist, I don't, I don't care. Vote and do however you want to do, but do it through this system because that was what was consecrated in our greatest inheritance was the peaceful transference of power and the constitution of this United States, which has withstood, and we're just after Constitution Day, which has withstood, you know, do you know how many constitutions they've had in France? I'm gonna say 15. Five. Well, that's Italy. Italy's like 15 and counting. Like Italy, it's like uh, it's it's like an umpire at a little league baseball game, just like click, 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 click. The constitution of the year is just like right, exactly. so we are we are incredibly blessed, and so we owe special obligations. Chris, you wow. it's a perfect so you played a role, a national role in that, and it's something that you talk about rather eloquently and I, that's something that you certainly haven't shied away from i mean i this morning with my morning tea i read the thing in politico what i learned about media rage after getting fired from fox <laughs> a comprehensive post or you know great long piece i encourage people to go read it it's in politico what i, I learned no you encourage them to buy the book they, buy the book <laughs> yeah, buy the book go, go buy the book buy <laughs> broken news uh, we don't yeah whatever but, yeah. <laughs> 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 you should do both but, but 
you you spoke about a role that you played in a way in in defending the constitution in a, in a rising above of maybe like politicalness and a party by by calling a state and you you know maybe let me let me just let you tell the story as as you saw it the role that you i guess played at fox and what are, what happened around that this election that maybe most people felt this was their first time that wow okay we're really hoping this constitution thing holds up but what we just talked about we've got a good one but let's see let's make sure this damn thing holds up and a lot of people felt 2020 might have been the year that it, it couldn't have but it did but but you played a role in that um so maybe if you just want to share a little bit about that story i most certainly will not but I will tell you this, um, when I was 17 years old, I did not want to work at a hot dog cart. Uh, working at a hot dog cart in Washington, DC, there's a lot of hot dog carts in Washington, DC. There was only gonna be one in Wheeling, West Virginia. And I was gonna have to sell hot dogs to my friends, parents who worked as lawyers and judges in the federal courthouse. And I thought, there's a, this is bad. But I had to do it because my dad told me I had to get a job. And as I'm wrapping up the interview, the guy says to me, as for the uniform, and I'm like, I'm sorry, what did you say? I'm sorry, what did you say? Yeah. No. And he said, there, there'll be no need of a uniform. And then he presented me a little paper hat with a hot dog. <laughs> and he said it was all I needed to wear. Okay. I was 17 and my vanity was not nothing exceeds the vanity of a 17 year old man. And I knew that I would die before I wore that hat in public. <laughs> <laughs> and as I was leaving town, I went by the wheeling intelligencer mm -hmm. and I stopped and I said, I know Ogden nothing. My dad is friends with, I, I know Ogden nothing. I can go in there maybe, and they will give me a job. And I went in like an idiot. Uh, in Bermuda shorts and a Wheeling Country Club golf cap and walked in and said, is Ogden nothing here? And <laughs> inexplicably, he saw me. And inexplicably, he sent me down to Bob Kelly, who is, of my lifetime, the greatest newsman in West Virginia. Was the best, the nay plus ultra. And I worked with a bunch of great newsmen and women in West Virginia. I worked with Jody Jibden, I worked with Chris Stadelman, I worked with Nanya Fran, I worked with Brad McElhenney, mm -hmm. I worked with Richard Grimes, I worked with amazing journalists. And do you know what they taught me? Dress for the job that you want. Man, if, if, if we if we gauge journalism jobs based on attire. It's true, uh, no, you're right. <laughs> I'll meet you at the red carpet, gentlemen. <laughs> yeah, there the you carpet. go. <laughs> here, here is what, Bob Kelly taught me. Bob Kelly taught me to get out of the way of the story. Get out of the way of the story. There's a story to be told. Your job is to interfere with it as little as possible. The important part that you play in the story is picking the story. After you pick the story, your job is to be like a weir in a river, to direct the flow, but not impede it. You're not a dam. You're not blocking up the stuff. Uh, and it has been very uncomfortable for me in the past two or three years to be part of the story because I don't want to be the story. I'm not the story. You're the storyteller. Or I'm just the, I'm directing the flow. I'm just trying to be here to, um, uh, there, a uh, brass plaque on the wall at the Charleston Daily Mail, RIP, uh, said with or without offense to friend or foe, I paint your world 
exactly as it goes. The idea is, so the Daily Mail was a Republican newspaper mm-hmm. and the Gazette was a Democratic newspaper. This was not ambiguous. But inside the column inches of those papers, what did we aspire to do? To be fair. We aspired to be fair. Even if you bring a point of view to your work, even if you do whatever, the aspirational fairness, which will always be insufficient, right? We'll never get it done exactly right. But the aspirational fairness is the point. And I'm sorry to dodge, uh, as Arch Moore once said in a press conference, when somebody re-asked a question, he said, I thought I defeated that question. Um, And I'm sorry to try to defeat your question. I'm just sick and tired of talking about me. I'm exhausted. I I, I love my state. I love my country. I love my industry. I love it. And it's, I'm I'm bored of myself. I don't know if it's so much as dodging. I was was just trying to get at, you speak of, I mean, the whole, like what we've spoken about here with media, uh, segmenting people and of curate, like audiences now can be curated. We can be targeted and we, we feel like we fall and that's profitable for media companies. I was just curious if, there's any insight on how do you uncurate yourself? How do you untarget audience yourself to consume media in an objective way? Because it's proving to be probably rather difficult for people to, we spoke about this with Hoppy Kirchhoff, like how do you tell the difference between opinion and journalism when they all kind of feel and look the same now with social media and the news and cable news and whatnot. So how do you uncurate, how do you untarget market yourself in order to try to find that objective news that you spoke of in between I- the, I like, I like that you have enough guests named Hoppy that you need to clarify Kerchival. <laughs> you mean like that, that your, your, your Hoppy bandwidth is wide enough that you're like Hoppy Kerchival. Well, there was the late I, Hoppy Shores in Charleston. I was, I was, so. I was, I was about to say, I mean, <laughs> you, um, one of my favorite jokes is for years, I was able to say that I am the only person from Ohio County, West Virginia in the national media. And it was a staple line of speeches and yeah. And then this guy, uh, Daniel Flatley, got hired at Bloomberg and covering Congress. He reached out to me and and he's my friend and I really like Daniel. He's doing a great job, but he ruined my story. Right now there's two guys from Ohio County, Virginia, in the (laughs) national media. And he grew up out by the Stone and Thomas uh, out in Elm Grove. Uh, and you know, it just screwed it up for me. He's a very nice guy. I wish him and his family well, but he just, he ruined my joke. Um, in 1924, the first radio station in America, oh, gentlemen, what was the first radio station in America? KDKA. Heck yeah. Heck yeah. Boom. And that wasn't in Beckley neither. Um, but, <laughs> but Wheeling uh, probably got KDKA. In 1924. KDKA broadcast the results of the uh, 1924 presidential election. Okay. And by the way, my favorite president of the 20th century's victory. And they broadcast it from the roof of quickly the- Googling the 1924 winner of the presidential election. Absolutely. Keep <laughs> cool. I'm a hundred percent pro Calvin Coolidge. Uh, it's hated bias of mine. Uh, but they broadcast from the roof of the Westinghouse building. You know the joke? There were no receivers within distance to receive. Oh. Right? They, were, they were doing it, and it was a big deal. It was a press event. It was what would now be called a pseudo event. But there were no receivers in the neighborhood that could have received. Wow. 
1924. By 1941, so that's uh, 17 years later, by 1941, America lives by the radio. Yeah. America is, if you think that we like podcasts and cell phones and all this stuff, 90% of homes by 1935 had a radio. It was more, and I will say it, I'll go ahead and say it, more transformative than the birth of the printing press. Because what the printing press did was make it possible for us to cheaply consume the written word. But we had already been able to consume the written word. What radio did was make it possible for millions of people everywhere at the same time to have the same experience. Uh, who were the big wow. winners? Who were the big winners of radio? Adolf Hitler, killing it. Yeah, Well, it took time. That was nine. That right. Point. That's nineteen thirty-two. That's nineteen thirty-three. That's nineteen thirty-four. At the beginning, how does it start? It starts nineteen thirty-five was probably the year that the American Republic was the closest to the brink since the Civil War, and radio was a big part of how we screwed it up. Wow. We were not sophisticated consumers of radio. We did not do it correctly. Um, Father Coughlin, a bigoted, anti-Semitic, crazy, authoritarian, Roman Catholic priest from Canada who preached out of the shrine of the little flower uh, in Michigan. Huey Long, who was a absolute despot and uh, auditioning to be a dictator, uh, had 7 million members of his Share Well Society. The day that Pearl Harbor was bombed, the American Nazi Party had 400,000 members. Radio screwed us up from pen to post. It took us a long time to get good at consuming the radio, right? Wow. You now think of as like, oh, that's adorable. It's the radio. Oh, good for you. I need textured streaming video with haptic interactions. <laughs> sense the emotions of the TikToker <laughs> that I'm watching. Radio blew our minds and it took a long time to get good at consuming radio. These things, these pocket computers that we carry around, we've only had since 2008. It takes time to get good at doing this stuff. And there is no one coming to make us be good at it, right? I have had too many opportunities in the last five, six years to quote Abraham Lincoln's uh, speech at the Young Men's Lyceum in Springfield, which is, we will either endure for all time as a nation of free men, or we will die by suicide. The options remain exactly the same, right? 160 years later, our options remain exactly <laughs> the same. We can keep doing this, and the way that we do it is by loving our country and loving our countrymen and countrywomen, or we can die by suicide. And boy, are we are we trying are we playing with it? We're we're yeah. it out. We're like, well, I don't know. Have you guys thought about slitting our own throat? Uh, and <laughs> China will dominate the whole world for a thousand years, and we keep playing with it. And uh, as they as they would say in Beach Bottom, the best way to get good at something uh, is to play for more than you can afford to lose. And I think the good news is that Americans are aware that we are playing for more than we can afford to lose. Well, I, I hope so, but the scenario that you just painted the picture of a hundred years ago, are we are we living, does history repeat itself? Are we about to go through, are we going through, are we smart enough to know how to avoid what happened back when, 
you know, radio blew everybody's minds and smartphones are now blowing everybody's minds? Are we smart enough to not let this little box uh, dictate how we see the world? I was in a bar in Williamson one time on a story and I was with a buddy of mine and there was a little fella on the other side of the bar who was real upset. Have I told you guys this story before? All right. So sitting at the other side, he was upset. You can see he was, and I'm, I'm a, a large format mammal. Uh, and he is looking at us and he was upset. We were obviously from out of town and he was a little guy and we were big guys and he was upset and he came around the bar and he came over and he said to my friend, I reckon you figure you can whip me. My friend drank off the end of his mug of beer. He set it down on the bar and he said, I reckon we're getting ready to find out. <laughs> I reckon we're getting ready to find out. Uh, we will or will not keep the Republic. We will. or And then what I try to impress upon people is we will or we will not keep the Republic. Yeah. It is an unusual situation that we have created for ourselves. Uh, we have captured the best part of the Enlightenment and preserved it. In, in a document and a set of principles arranged around the country that we don't have that much in common with the rest of our countrymen and countrywomen. People who live in West Virginia don't have that much in common. Or how about this? People who live in West Virginia have about as much in common with people who live in Oregon as they do with people who live in Toronto. It's okay. on, a cultural, on a cultural basis. There's... Okay, like people who live in Oregon live very differently than they do in West Virginia. Yeah. Uh, people who live in Maine live very differently than people who live in New Mexico. But the point is, we don't have to care. We don't have to care because we have a federated republic in which we divest ourselves of those considerations. And there's just, as I said before, not that much national news. There's not that much stuff that attaches us nationally except for one office. The only office that we elect nationally is the presidency. The only one. And we pay undue, grossly undue attention to the executive branch, yeah. grossly undue attention to the federal government. When the place where people should put their attention is where? Their city government, their yeah. county government, and their state government. You should be an expert on where you live. You should know it front to back, back to front, end to post, right? You should know who your mayor is. You should know who your city council is. You should know who your county commission is. You should know who your delegate is. You should, though, God help anybody trying to figure out who their delegate is in West Virginia this cycle. Uh, but it's uh, changing, yeah. uh, your delegate is, you should know who your state senator is. You should be an expert on those things. Yeah. And when it comes to the federal government, what you should say is, they can't do much. They don't do much. And uh, we'll, we'll uh, go with God, right? We, they should, people should say of the federal government, Viacon Dios, we'll see you in two years. And there's an election coming up and people should render their verdict on how their members of Congress are doing and all of that stuff. But where you live, the news where you live is way more important than the national news. Yeah, yeah. No, I think you're... You're spot on. It is National Voter Registration Week, by the way. 
Uh, so everybody don't vote. Them. Don't I tell people don't vote. It only encourage it's PGR work read a book that was called don't vote. It only encourages the bastards. And I am here to agree with that. If you're not sure who you're voting for, don't vote. We don't need it's not important. If you don't care enough to know who's who's running and have an opinion, don't get one. Opinion three items don't have more than you. Can. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Chris, you're awesome. You are phenomenal. Well, I'm no, but I'm really glad that you guys are doing what you're doing. Um, I'm really glad that you guys care about the, as a James Mansion would say, the Gret Stead of West Virginia, uh, the 35th star. And it's really my, my pleasure to be with you guys because what it felt like today was getting to go home. So that was very nice. Yeah. Well, thanks, man. If, if DeSantis starts shipping people to Beckley though, we might get national news. Redneckly, if they send people to Redneckly, they'll call out the National Guard. There'll be a whole thing. They'll say the humanitarian crisis. They put them in Slab Fork. They'll be. It'll be like Guantanamo. People will never hear the end of it. <laughs> oh shoot, Chris, thank you, man. You're a yeah, pleasure. Uh, yeah, everybody, go buy his book, Broken News: Why the Media Rage Machine Divides America, and How to Fight Back. Chris Steyerwolf, thanks. Y'all have a great day. <laughs>